Before I start my talk, I'd like to say something about being Shusou. I am deeply grateful to receive this honor and position. I watched for five weeks as folks worked tirelessly to make this happen. Gasho to all you bodhisattvas. The other thing I wanted to come clean about are my anxiety problems. I have both COVID and cancer heightened anxiety, depression and OCD. These have hindered me somewhat to really embracing the position. I hope I haven't kept too low a profile. My ailments get triggered when under stress, even if it's just perceived stress. I tried my best to not let it interfere, but if I rub someone the wrong way, please let me know and let's talk or have tea. So now for my talk. This talk is uh, talk number three on case 87, medicine and disease subdue each other. The title is case 87, the third circle, the whole earth is medicine. The talk is not a straight line. I circle the self, medicine, and disease and conclude with what I can best describe as Yunmen's teaching. In preparing for this talk, I decided to aim for what is clear and in my body and in my heart. I hope I accomplished this. This is the shortest of the three talks. I hope you have questions. So first off, medicine. Medicine usually is thought of to heal. I pose the question, is that true? What do you think when you think of medicine? It's not just a pill. It can be a message that rings true from a friend, a song that opens the heart to your compassion. Have you ever listened to a Dharma talk and felt it speaking directly to you? Disease. Some diseases are persistent. Ongoing pain, anxiety, depression, physical pain, etc. I remember Ryushin asking me one day, how does it feel to have a persistent illness? When we were talking about my back problem, I walked away thinking persistent. What does she mean? It was the beginning of me showing my age, as they say. What comes up for me is the impermanence of this body. I could see in myself a resistance to accepting this truth. Yunmen is having us look at medicine and disease non-dualistically. I quote here, let yourself go with disease, be with it, keep it company. That's the way to get rid of it. I'll reread that. Let yourself go with disease, be with it, keep it company. That's the way to get rid of it. I think, or rather, that was a quote from Bruce Lee. I don't think he meant to ignore it. I think he means to befriend disease and accept it into yourself. As far as getting rid of it, I'd say it can be sometimes in the background, but not rid of it or as sometimes happens, another issue or pain takes its place. I'm not condoning being passive about seeking help, 
but I think the first step is to acknowledge the dis-ease. I came down with cancer, a life-threatening and painful and uh, a disease with painful side effects. Taking medicine in hope for a cure, it's a gamble. My friend Nancy took medicine to help with a blood disease that eventually cost her her life and also sustained her life for some time. So it's both medicine and poison. Medicine can create a kind of war within your body, making it seem like poison. I can think of my own side effects and how having them as regular visitors in my day. I find it difficult to enjoy eating, my taste buds and appetite compromised. I can honestly say we are creatures who love to eat, and it is a missing pleasure for me. I quote here from the case. One day, Manjushri ordered Sunhana to pick med medicinal herbs. He said, if there is something that is not medicine, bring it to me. Sunhana searched all over, but there was nothing that was not medicine. So he went back to Manjushri and told him, there is nothing that is not medicine. Manjushri said, gather me something that is medicine. So Sinanda then picked up a blade of grass and handed it to Manjushri. Manjushri held it up and showed it to the assembly, saying, this medicine can kill people and it can bring people to life. Kill or bring people to life. There's a skill needed to know when to start and when to stop taking the medicine. When to know it's a poison. After my first, four, first of four doses of chemotherapy, I noticed my hearing becoming weak, weakened and not picking up high frequencies. I notified my doctor and she changed the type of medicine. It permanently damaged my hearing, ringing in the ears, loss of some high frequencies. Some, disease, some medicines can both cure and harm. Environmentally, we could see the earth holistically as in a continuous state of change, healing itself as one way is one way to look at it. It is both destructive and restorative, a kind of poison and medicine. Going deeper, it is how we think about disease or not think about disease that creates the change. Real or real, really no change, but just being one with it, not making it an it, not objectifying it. The self. One day I was sweeping by the Dokasan hut. It was a cool spring morning, probably a Saturday. I was maybe 39 at the time, a fledgling Zen student. I walked up to Ron Nestor and asked what he was doing in the garden on the other side of the fence. He said he was just fixing something he saw broken. I asked why, it's not part of BZC. He just smiled and said, because it needed fixing. It woke me up. I was limiting the boundaries of BZC 
as maybe I have placed unreal boundaries on myself. Seeing the self as more than just this body, inclusive of what we label as good and bad, expands our notion of healing and the self. Another way of saying every moment is sufficient or practice in the middle of the fire. I note an impulse to run away, but I tried to face the fear and uncertainty and not separate from the disease. The disease is not your enemy. Let's look at an example, a forest fire. It's devastating to all the trees, plants, and animals. But yet once the fire ends and spring comes, we start to see new sprouts and the whole cycle starts again, a circle from fire to spring. Maybe if we would flow more with, with or <clears throat> excuse me, follow nature versus trying to control nature, we would more easily find the whole earth is medicine. Unman is having us embrace this. I'd like to say that I have actualized this being one with my illness. I struggle daily with anxiety and depression over what will happen next. I can wallow in that, or I can just get up and do something and live moment by moment. This is my practice for now. Is that a cure or medicine? I think it's all there is, labeling, labeled one way or another, with or without sickness breathing into each moment and accepting what it turns out to be. I quote from the case, for 49 years in more than 300 assemblies, the world honored one adapted to potential to set up the teachings. All of this was giving medicine in accordance to, with the disease like exchanging sweet fruit for bitter gourds, having purified active faculties, he made you clean and free. The Buddha was considered the great physician, the great healer, adapting his teaching to what best fit his audiences. I saw this in the Lotus Sutra class in the parables. How can we see this as the whole earth is medicine? <clears throat> I think sometimes our view is too short or we have not given enough time to see the disease as part of the healing, painful as it can be. You shout at your loved one, turns into a deep discussion on how to communicate with each other. The poison of one act can turn the wheel of the Dharma or truth in the next act. I struggle with anxiety because I want to get beyond the not knowing, knowing something 100%. When you wish for this, it can expand. You can ask many what if questions and exhaust yourself. Is there anything that is 100%? I know death and taxes. This is a, mo a monkey mind in full bloom, swinging from one what if to the next out of balance. Ultimately, we have to accept the risk and live within it. Aiken Roshi 
wrote something I think worth quoting in this context, being 100% certain. Once a student came to me and said he was depressed because he had realized that there's nothing to depend upon. I, I laughed and he asked why I was laughing. I said, why do you think the old Zen worthies were always clowning around? The student laughed. And then Roshi said, the biggest joke in the universe is that there is nothing to depend upon. So can we get beyond the not knowing or am I swimming upstream and have to turn around and flow with the current? I think so. Maybe there is more to Unmen's the whole earth is medicine in this not knowing. Maybe I need to drop my interpretations of good and bad, health and disease, right and wrong and accept the not knowing and float in the comfort within the downstream current. Continuing, I wrote the word continuing, and that is what I do, continue and remain open to what happens. It's hard sometimes to stay with what you're doing and not drift off, but drifting off is missing your life, however it is going. There is medicine in that non-drifting, staying present. Effort and courage to stay present in the midst of the fire is where the action and the medicine lives. So what have I learned so, so far with doing this? It's not easy and you may not like what you see. And it can be confusing. Ask for help is, asking for help is okay. When I was head cook, I or we offered food as medicine. We picked wholesome ingredients while having limits based on the Sangha's tolerance, tolerances, right effort and medicine. Treating the ingredients, the cooks, the servers, the Sangha, the pots and pans, all with an eye for healing and nurturing. Most of the other cooks I know at BCC had this kind of experience with Sojin Roshi, our late teacher. After each meal, Sojin would want to see you in his office and talk about the meal, mostly. I can remember always saying the first word to him, so to speak. If the rice was overcooked or there was too much tamari in the dish, I preemptively say it, said, I think it was too salty or the rice was overcooked. Sometimes he would agree and sometimes not. And sometimes he would just say, it was good, but this could be better. Where am I going with this? He was always prescribing to me what to be alert to in my practice. He may have thought the dish needed changes, but deep down, I feel he was speaking to my core and where I needed a little encouragement. He was a good doctor for the heart. As Sashin director, I cared for all the participants, including diet, physical, and mental well-being. Addressing issues like disease and finding expedient remedies. Keeping the rhythm of the day flowing and helping folks find their balance in practice. I remember one day 
of a seven-day sashin, a man off the street entered the campus to look around. Someone asked him to leave, and he was annoyed with that response. I went up to him and apologized and explained that a retreat was in process. He responded with respect, maybe reflecting the respect I gave him. I say this not to puff myself up, but to show the various ways that medicine can exist. So what can I say? The entire universe is medicine. How can you teach yourself with this message and yet not cling to the idea unrestricted? Be ready to let go. Maybe being okay or accepting this moment of time along an unknown path as it unfolds. Not seeing disease as the enemy, befriending disease and respecting and accepting it as a growth opportunity. This is my humble take on the whole earth as medicine. It's Unman's teaching of seeing through the duality of labels like medicine and poison, sickness and health. He's pointing us to the vastness and spaciousness of the universal. If you have questions, please raise your hand or digital hand. Thank you. Susan, yeah, go, uh, Susan. Susan, go ahead. You, you what finish. I was gonna say. So, Bailey Scott told me, and she was talking about herself, that everything about her particular personality was intact, fully intact, she said, and ready to be unleashed at a moment's notice. But that after years of practice, one learns it's not necessary to do that. And I thought of that in the beginning of your talk when you talked about anxiety and the way you were feeling and you apologized for perhaps not being fully present in your position. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say that, you know, I haven't experienced you spilling out from the position that you held, mm -hmm. whatever's been going on on the inside. To me, it looks like you've contained it. It doesn't look like you've repressed it. It just looks like you're a long time practitioner and you know how to hold it. And it's been really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. For all the good meals too. <laughs> uh, I think Ross and then Rob. Uh, thanks, Gary. Um, you're talking about swimming upstream, and I was thinking, as hard as that is, the direction is going to the source, and our practice is always orienting and going to the source. So uh, even though it's difficult, in each moment, are we going upstream or are we downstream? You know, with, with our direction. So it's okay to, I mean, I feel it's great to coast and just go downstream, but am I going further away from the source, source to still investigating myself or am I kind of backing off? Yeah. So it's... It all depends. Yeah, yeah. Sure does. Yeah, that too. So um, yeah. nice swimming with you. <laughs> Thank you.
Rob? You mentioned that you've been struggling with depression. Yes. And it seems to me that depression would rob you of the energy and the motivation and the drive to do a number of things, including practice. And um, I wonder if you could say something about how you're addressing that, what medicine you're using, what resources you, you have to help you through that, because it's, it's sort of the wellspring of our life and our practice, and if that's suppressed, then how do you, how do you respond? I see. Um, I just set my clock to a certain time and I get up. That's, you know, and it, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to get up and get dressed and get out of the house or go to the cushion and sit uh, on Zoom. But um, I've been able to do that. It hasn't been that debilitating. And so it's kind of like what I said is I, um, um, even though I don't feel like doing it, I get up and do it. And um, yeah, so in doing it, what is doing it, getting, going to the cushion and sitting, but then during my day, I may go swim, you know, do something at the house, you know, because I'm retired now. So that's kind of how I play it. Yeah. And you derive support from friends and Sangha. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to isolate. When I was going through the, um, the treatment, I isolated a lot. And I think that may have contributed to uh, some of my uh, mood related things. And um, so it's a work in process. <laughs> Hard to talk about. Yeah. Good question. Yes, Judy. Gary, I was wondering, um, in your whole talk, what would you say now is the most important thing? Oh, this is a, um, uh, what Dean asked the last time. So I was prepared for that question. <laughs> Dean, didn't Dean didn't show up, so I, I don't think she's here. So I, I would say the most important thing is what I read at the very end. Maybe it's being okay or accepting this moment in time along an unknown path as it unfolds. And then um, not seeing disease as an enemy, befriending disease, and respecting and accepting it as a growth opportunity. What makes it important for you, for us right now? Disease? What makes disease important? Well, what, what you just read, you know, what you're naming is most important. What, what makes it, like, what's important about that, I guess, for you? Well, it, it's um, the reframing of, of what you consider your problem. It's reframing it and saying, what can I learn from it? Or how do I, um, how do I, how do I deal with it? Instead of being a victim to it, which, you know, I do feel kind of a victim a lot, but 
um, I, um, it's a weird thing to be, anyway. Yeah, to me, that's really key because I feel like a victim a lot too. So it's like, uh, if you say, yeah, I feel like a victim a lot, we got somewhere real to connect and uh -huh. it's like we're reframing it, but we're not leaving out. Man, I feel like a victim right now. Uh -huh. Thanks. So thank you. That's, to me, that's one of the most healing things about your talk. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anyone else? We still have some time. Carol? Thank you, Gary, for your talk. We're just uh, going along with that question. Um, Judy's question? Judy, yeah, Judy's question. I, I think we all feel like a victim sometimes. Probably. At any rate, what do you do to bring yourself out of that? Of uh, being a victim? Yeah. How do, you, how do you work with it? I complain to my wife a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. You let yourself be there and then. No, I don't. I try not to do that. Sometimes I do it. Um, It's funny when you, when I go swimming and I come out of the pool, I'm a different person like that I than I went in. So there's some sort of endorphin or something going on there. That's one way. The other is to um, focus on other, something other than myself. You know, volunteer, crossword puzzles, read. You know, go for a walk. That kind of thing. Yeah, when I feel like a victim, I uh, <laughs> don't necessarily not feel like a victim after the, that, but I, it reframes or re uh, directs my attention. I still somewhat feel victimized by the treatment, but you know, I'm trying to also see that the, the benefits of it, like I. I probably wouldn't be here if, if, it, if I didn't do the treatment, you know. So, oh, and other thing I do nightly when I when I go to sleep, I I try to remember all the things that were except were like like um, beautiful that happened to me that day because there's always these beautiful things that happen like a butterfly beautiful monarch butterfly flies by you, or uh, you see this bloom, or somebody lets you in the swim lane so that <laughs> you don't have to stand out there in your swim trunks for half an hour waiting to get in. You know, all these things, I just try and remember them. And then when I close my eyes, I try and go back to them and not think about anything that's negative in that, in that scenario. So that, um, helps me reframe and go to sleep. Yes, awesome. Um, so this is, I don't get to ask a question in the shoe so ceremony. Oh, okay. Um, so, excuse me for asking a 
two so survey type questions. So what is the what's the Shuso disease? And what medicine do you bring to it? Well, the Shuso disease is um, at least for me, what comes up right away is how much sitting I had to do because of my own um, um, I may change my mind on that and not say that, but say, <laughs> say, um, had, having to face myself a lot longer than no, than I normally would. You know, I normally would sit maybe Monday morning and then go to the PC, go to the, the, the Monday morning talk and then go to the PC meeting. Well, that's fine. That's kind of the longest day, longest morning, but it's nowhere near facing myself like I have. And what was the second part? What medicine do you bring to it? Sitting, I guess. Sitting and um, trying to think. But just becoming aware of all the, the Sangha and all its support is good medicine. Gary, there's a question online. Oh, okay. Who? Nalbach, please. Oh, hi, Lisa. You're muted. Yes. I just noticed. Um, thank you very much. Even just these few questions and answers uh, has t taken me to closer to your heart, which has always seemed luminous to me. Um, I hope that you can perhaps record your talk or something can be done to share what you're talking it, about for those of us in the online Zendo. It, it is being recorded, we found out. It, it, okay. And the other thing is, is I have a written copy of it. If, if you want me to send it to you, just email me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I feel like this is super appropriate. My question has been a lot as I age and as I change and as I go through different distresses and losses. Who is this person anyway? Mm -hmm. What what comes to take the place of what's been lost? Who, who is showing up? And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you really um, very much helping me with that answer. Thank you. That's good. You know, when I look at myself, I think, who's that guy? Because <laughs> my face has gotten thinner. I used to be kind of big-faced. I'm not as big-faced anymore. But big-faced, little-faced Buddha. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, uh, not to make a joke out of what you just said, I, I think yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think the same thing. It's like um, this is this is really happening. You know, it's not, uh, and it happens to us all. We still have a few more minutes, maybe one more question. Got to make my talks longer. (laughs) No. Oh, yeah, hi. Sure, go ahead. Hi, Gary. Um, hi, Dan. I have a, it's a dumb question. I think maybe it's already been asked. But from the case, if medicine and disease subdue each other, one can see how medicine subdues disease. But how does disease subdue medicine? What do you see in that? Ooh, that's a good question. Gary, can you repeat the question for the folks on the Yeah, um, Dan asked, uh, he can see how medicine subdues disease, but how does disease subdue medicine? And, you know, in the first talk, I talked a lot about subdue and what it means and kind of like destroyed one or the other, you know, and um, other translations translate it differently. Um, they don't use subdue at all. They, I'm trying to think what, what, I can't think of what the the term is exactly they used. Um, but let me answer your question from my point of view. Um, it, it, it's kind of a, a dual, a dual, like eliminating the duality of one and the uh, one and the other. They're actually the same thing. Where disease is sometimes the right medicine for what's happening, like global clim- climate change is. You could view that as a disease, but it, it's actually also the medicine to say. Something's got to, the medicine to heal the earth has to happen. So in a way, it, 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 it's, it's two things at the same time. So I, I, think, I think of it that way as that's how disease subdues medicine. Does that make sense to you? Another, another I can say another way is like often vaccines are Jerry could probably say more about this, but vaccines often are the disease itself. That's more of a mundane thing that it, it can cure or um, create the, the medicine within you to not get a certain type of disease. You're not happy with this yet. <laughs> I'm still wondering. Still wondering. It's a good place to be. Pardon me? Wondering is a pretty good place to be. Yeah, and um, during the Hosen, you can bring it up again if you want. And I can think more about it.
how I would respond differently. Gary, Peter Overton has a question. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Peter. Thank you, Gary. Uh, this is one of those, how do you remember to remember questions? And specifically, um, how do you remember that um, reframing your story is always available? And how, how does that, how, how does that, how do you make that available to yourself? To, that you have this choice to reframe your story at any point. Did everybody get that? Okay. Um, how do I remember to remember? It's not easy. I do, I do often forget, you know, the things I said are um, my ideal self in the talk. And there are times when I just want to lay in bed and not, not get up kind of thing or lay on the couch and not want to, not want to move. Um, I mean, usually what, what keeps me remembering it is the pain I feel in doing that or the, uh, the suffering that it causes to just be, um, you know, not do anything or not visit with friends or things like that. Um, yeah, that's what I would say is the pain. Oh, oh, can we do one more? Of course. Hey, go. Um, well, you know, I was listening to Dan's question, and I'm not sure this is where he was going, but I thought of, uh, you know, we talk about this, the moonshot uh, back in the day. The moonshot was like, why are we doing this? Well, look at all the wonderful things that come out of having made this sort of, at that time, and Suzuki Roshi would have said uh, uh, that it's really not a necessary thing, and it's not important to our being. But everyone knows that we got Teflon out of this moonshot and we got different things out of the moonshot. Uh, is there a priceless gem that you have found or that you feel is hiding and you're looking for relative to just because my being has this disease is a gift and, and is going to bring us, you know, your Teflon or, or what? Uh, have you discovered anything like that? Well, I said in one talk that my wife found me uh, more like a soft peach than a hard peach since this. I remember. So I, I, I can fall back on that, but I, th I think I should maybe say something different or something more to you. Um, yeah, I think it. it being more um, sensitive to other people's perception are, has, uh, is more there with me. Like, like not, not just um, plowing through something, like being more um, receptive 
to what somebody needs. I think that's that's come about a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, I remember I read in uh, not and not always so Suzuki Roshi did say some. He thought it was silly us going to the moon. There's a lot of there's a couple of statements about that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all. Things are